Hey everyone, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, if I do say so myself, and I do, and then I flub it up, whatever. Uh, Anyway, this is episode 38 with Sarah Talmadge. I uh, I actually explained in the episode, but you know, just for a quick uh, synopsis, uh, Sarah and I met at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, I bought a, a, a print of hers and she did a sketch for me, and she's just a really great artist, and we bonded immediately over our mutual love of Tangled and our mutual not so much love of Frozen. I mean, we're we're okay with it, but we don't freak out over it. Um, so we we do in this episode talk a lot about the problems with uh, with Frozen. So if you're a big Frozen person, maybe this isn't the best episode for you. Um, there are 37 other episodes that I guarantee you do not feature long discussions about Frozen or, you know, the fact that, you know, Tangled is a much better movie. But, you know, just, just for the faint of heart, or it's not for the faint of heart uh, if you're just a huge um, Frozen fan. Just just a little warning, little FYI for you. Um, since I don't mention really the details in the, at the end of the episode, uh, you can follow me at darling underscore Sammy, as well as go and like uh, That Girl with the Curls, as well as uh, The Maniacal Geek on Facebook. It's at um, Maniacal Curls, if you just kind of put that in the URL. And uh, as always, I hope you enjoy and come back for more. How am I coming through? Perfect. Excellent. As I always knew it was. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. No, I often have weird like connectivity issues, so I wanted to make sure. Oh yeah, no, I've I've gone through the gamut of uh, different connectivity issues and whatnot, so it's just like yeah. gotta ride through it, man. <laughs> internet internet in Eugene, Oregon is not the best situation. So oh. <laughs> it Does- should be okay, but just wanted to put it out there. Do they not provide you with ac- with a uh, with good internet? <laughs> so Comcast is our best internet option, mm-hmm. and one of the only internet options. And I chose to not use Comcast, and I'm paying for it. <laughs> I, I suffer in horrible connectivity. You're like, but at least I'm not part of this corporate sham. Yeah, that that was my whole part. But yeah, CenturyLink is really not that much better. So my, my protest is a farce. <laughs> like no. <laughs> Yeah, my apartment complex, I could only choose Comcast because that's the only cable provider that goes through the complex. So. Uh, ooh, I know Portland is getting Google Fiber soon. Oh, nice. So I'm like two hours away from Portland. I'm hoping that maybe <laughs> it'll start making its way over here. I'm not going to 
not counting on it anytime soon, though. She was like, we gotta move to Portland. <laughs> For internet reasons. Yeah, internet. That's the ticket. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I'm recording now, so we can just get into it, so, um, I I like to surprise people with that, since you can't (laughs) see my face and see the, uh, uh, eyes darting back and forth, like, yeah, let's, let's start this thing now, right? (laughs) Oh, okay, okay, so now, now everyone will know that I get really crappy internet here in Eugene. Oh, okay. Is that okay? No, it's perfectly fine. But, um, so I guess, uh, first of all, welcome Sarah Talmadge to That Girl with the Curls. Yay! Thank you! Thank you for having me! Yes! Uh, I've, I've gotten into doing the origin story of how my guests come on now, because it, it usually just results in me like, oh, I met you at a con, and we got along really well, and then I want to talk to you more. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> Which is, it's pretty much what happened, uh, so I, I met you at Emerald City Comic Con, uh, this, la- this most recent one. And uh, I bought a print from you of your uh, your mashup of Gustav Klimt's The Kiss, along with uh, tangled characters uh, Rapunzel and Flynn. And, uh, and we got into this really long discussion, uh, which we will we will try to like uh, get into a- as well now, which is why Frozen is not as good as Tangled. <laughs> Yes. Well, I think it. I, I think it stands to reason that that needs to be a passionate argument because all I have, I got after Frozen came out was, oh my god, isn't Frozen like the greatest movie ever? And I was like, no. Bridges, I'm telling you, bridges are burned after I saw Frozen. <laughs> were, were they? I got into so many conversations with people who are just like, it's the feminist movie you've all been waiting for, right? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, though! Oh my god, we're not even, like, two minutes in and we're already... I know, it's just like, ah, we well, need to get this out of the way now. So that... <laughs> <laughs> this is the horrible non-feminist elephant in the room. Oh my god, because it's, it's like the, like, I guess the unpopular opinion to think that Frozen isn't like, the greatest movie of all time since movies were created. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, like, I, I, I enjoyed Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed Frozen very much, and I really love the aesthetic and everything. I think it's a beautiful film. Yes. Um, and, like, you know, I like the characters. I think they're all very enjoyable. Um, but, you know, like, in my in my book, it's like a solid B. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the A-plus plus that everyone kind of kind of made it out to see. Yeah, I because there was this whole thing where it's just like the there's a lot of elements that are great about like the, the like you said the animation's gorgeous um, the the characters are are pretty fun for what they are um, but none of it seems to mesh like it just feels like all these different elements were created like the music and it like all these things separate and then when they came together didn't make a movie <laughs> really. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, like if, eventually though they start to mount, they they start to add up. Um, yeah. And many times I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, this, like it's just not like really. <laughs> like there's a lot of places where you go like yeah the the logic in that is not sound. Um. <laughs> I mean, and even like so the whole the whole premise with with Elsa's parents. You know, oh God. Like the worst yeah. case, like parenting scenario ever, and and it's just it's so frustrating, especially to to watch it from that perspective because they're just like, well, the, these two sisters, like they grew up together, they're separate and everything because of her powers. Like, yeah, but they didn't have to. They really didn't have to. It's like okay, so we have this little girl who has these powers, and some some stone gnome told us to make sure that she isn't consumed by fear. So let's go ahead and, like, lock her up forever and tell her never to be afraid. Yeah, like, tell her to be an emotional, like, uh, just most repressed person ever in the history of Disney movies. And, like, the worst part was, like, you know, what, how old was Elsa when that happened? Oh, I she, think she was, like, seven, six or seven? Probably around there. That's probably a, a healthy a healthy bet. <laughs> but she had, I mean, she had at least, you know, like, even if we're, even if we're like, hitting the, hitting the low end here, like, she had at least five years having these powers and being relatively, you know, like, having a fun time with Anna and, like, you know, using the powers in a fun and healthy way. Mm-hmm. Until that one thing happened. And granted, like, the one thing was pretty awful, you know, like, yeah. Anna had a, had a hard time. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't help that Anna was just being, you know, annoying and not really listening. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's like, and I can forgive that because, like, oh, there are, she, she was probably, like, what, like, two, three, four years old. Yeah, but, well, it, Probably say that they're like a good two, three years separation of the yeah. sisters. Hopefully, <laughs> you know. But like she had, she made that one mistake, and you know they'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Just, just let them. I don't know. Uh, just, just this is this is parenting one on one type stuff. I yeah. guess. Well, I mean, you bring crazy magical powers. You bring up a good point though, because yeah, given Elsa's age when when it all happened, you're like. So did her parents not know about this, or are they just realizing there could be a problem? <laughs> you know, seven years in, it's like, oh, you know, she has these crazy powers. Maybe it's time we addressed it for the first time ever. Yeah, and it's not like I mean, it, it just like it just brings up more questions when you start thinking about when these things happen. The the fact that this is when they choose to go find the crazy rock troll people that just happened to always had access to information about these. Yeah. Well, personally, I mean, like, I don't know about you, but if I had a daughter and she had the power to just wield ice, mm-hmm. like, I would probably do at least a bare minimum of Googling. I would, I would Google that shit pretty much, like, right away. Be like, you know? hey, hun, you know how there are those troll creatures in the woods, and I have this book with a map to find them? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it feels logical to try to kind of, like, research that a little bit more. Just but, a- you know, like, I'm not royalty. Maybe they think a little differently. Like a skosh. I mean, and yeah, and it all just like kind of boils down to when they they cure Anna because she gets hit in the the head with the the frozen ice powers, whatever. Um, apparently, Papa Smurf troll guy is capable of taking away whatever damage was done, as well as manipulating her memories. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like it's just. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I'm actually, now that I'm thinking about it, why did he have to take away her, her memories of the powers again? Well, I think it was the whole, 
it, I think it just starts happening where he's like, well, we can take away the memories because then it feeds into the whole Elsa, hey, you got to get this under control, so I'm going to scare the fuck out of you. <laughs> and I, I just, I feel like there are so many different ways to go about this, just on the parents' end, on, like, on the gnome dude's end. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of balls were dropped in that arena. Yeah, I, I, I remember coming out of that movie when I, I wrote my, my very scathing review about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which also included, like, hey, here was a, a another possibility of ways you could have gone with this, perhaps. Because uh, one of the things was, like, yeah, you see him suppressing uh, Anna's memories to so that she doesn't remember her sister has ice powers. So couldn't he just suppress Anna, uh, Elsa's ice powers? Like, yeah. was that an option? <laughs> something. Or, you know, and, and so that's the thing. is like, um, I had this argument with a lot of people after Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, just been awesome where she's just right. going like crazy so so yeah so like Anna's so Anna's ultimate act of love has more of an impact because the whole, the whole problem is is like the entire the entire way through the movie we know that Elsa has her problems but she's actually still a really good person and she's she's I mean like she's she's just afraid but she still like bears a very you know strong feeling of love for her family mm-hmm movies that really glosses over like what you know the emotional impact of of you know being sisters first of all it's like it it really coasts on this whole idea that oh we're sisters therefore that explains everything it's like ah no there's just no there's no like real connection that makes you believe anything that happens later like i i know that the, there were like um uh, unused pieces of footage because they had originally had the story not necessarily even with elsa being the villain but just more stuff that had the sisters together like interacting like because there's the whole bit because i mean it's adapted from hans christian anderson's the the snow queen um, so this whole bit about the heart of ice and there was supposed to be like part of the script it called for like a prophecy because there's always a prophecy. 
<laughs> so there was there was supposed to be more of that entangled in it, and it's just like maybe you should have kept those elements because it really seems like you tried to get rid of them, but they were still in parts of the story. Right. Which is why that doesn't feel cohesive enough. <laughs> There was, you know, I can't remember what the name of the song was, but um, there is, like, this one cut song, um, mm-hmm. and it was just Elsa and Anna's song. There's, like, they're two kids, and they're singing, and, you know, I think it's just them, mm-hmm. like, uh, just just being two young princesses, and, and, you know, like, they're a bunch of kids, and Elsa has powers, so throughout the song, like, Elsa and Anna are just kind of, like, up to no good, and doing <laughs> sister things, um, and they have, like, a nanny kind of person, like, always scolding I think it was just Elsa. Maybe it was the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one song, I mean, I don't know I don't know why they cut it. Um, maybe it was just like a time thing. But that one song really did enhance my understanding of where they were trying to go with Elsa and Anna's upbringing. Yeah. And it really just like fleshed out that childhood. And kind of like, it made more sense. Because like, you know, Elsa and Anna spent 10 years like completely separated. Um, and they're and also not that- even good about telling us that part either. They're, it's just like... <laughs> That whole, do you want to build a snowman? It's like, okay, so we're supposed to believe that this girl never left her room for 10 years. Yeah, like, exactly. So, I mean, did they, were they completely, totally separate? And, um, and you know, like, at a time that we see them being happy sisters, too, is very brief. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had that one song where they really, you know, where, you, where we see them being happy siblings, yeah. then maybe, you know, like, later on in the film, when Anna tries to get those feelings back with Elsa, And it it also would have, you know, because my whole thing was, you know, with with Elsa, like, it's just like her, her, she's had these powers for her entire life. And, you know, the, the, what makes her crack just happens so quickly. Like, in the, in the movie, it's like, you really need to set that up. Because if you wanted to, like, to make Elsa more of, um, because they couldn't really decide if they wanted to make Elsa villain or hero. And she ends up being neither, really. (laughs) She's just kind of stuck there with this deus ex machina powers. <laughs> um, oh, it's just... Oh, I mean, it, it just would have made more sense if, like, their parents' death is what cracks her first. You know? Yeah, or, you know... And, and again, that's where the song really... The, the one song that they cut really worked, because you see Elsa just being, like, scolded repeatedly mm-hmm. um, for not being princessly enough and using her powers the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and it was finally, you know, like, and then finally she, her own sister, like, oh, God, that's the last straw. I think that would made a lot, that would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and even, like, the, the opening song, like, the one song that actually has any kind of Scandinavian roots to it. I assume. I don't know of Scandinavian music, but it's the only one that sounded out of place in terms of uh, the setting and everything. That's the one song that didn't sound like it came out of a Broadway musical, so I'm assuming there was some kind of cultural significance to that song. Yeah. But I, um, I can't say I've done the research on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'll... Disney's word for it. <laughs> it's just, there's just so much about Frozen where you could be like, hey, nitty gritty time here, guys. None of these elements <laughs> work. So, this is Okay, what is that? It, it, it still keeps me up to this day. It haunts me to this day. Oh, my. What happened, what happened to Kristoff's uh, parents? Oh, like, yeah. His actual parents. Yeah. Because like, you see him in the very beginning. He's out. 
out, you know, a, a little child, mind you, mm-hmm. is out doing, like, running around while these dudes are doing kind of dangerous ice work. Yeah. I just assume that one of them was his, like, if, if not his father, like his brother or uncle or something. Yeah, I that was there for a reason. I think that's a safe, um, uh, that's a safe assessment to make. Yeah. Again, it's just like more elements where you're just like, it just raises more questions. And I guess, you know, like maybe he was an orphan and he was, he was just tagging along with these ice, with these ice cutters. Yeah. But then, did not one of them just like turn around and be like, hey, I'm pretty sure there was like a five-year-old running around here. Like, where did he go? And, and it's also one of those things that could have easily been handled. Like, you didn't even have to show when he was a child and he saw the whole thing happen with the trolls. To, to not know. I mean, they, they look like the fanciest people out there. So. And I think over the years, you know, as he becomes a more sentient adult living mm-hmm. in this tiny town with a king and queen. Yeah. And princesses, I figured, you know, he kind of looks back on that like, oh, you know, the people that I saw, those are the princesses. Or the fact that he was apparently adopted by the trolls who could have just told him that was the princess. <laughs> cut out the whole bit about uh, Kristoff seeing them when he's a child. If you just started it with Anna meeting him, he could have easily just said, like, oh, I know where we can get some help. Hey, there's some trolls, because we live in a place where trolls are a thing. <laughs> I, have, I have magical adopted troll family. Yeah! Can we, maybe we should hit them up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like these certain things where you're like, wow, if you would just cut that, then I wouldn't have had so many questions about this, because then you could just chalk it up to, oh, magical forest troll creatures, guy who might know them. <laughs> I mean, because we're kind of, like, we're, the rest of the movie relies on a lot of, you know, just assumptions of that sort anyway. Yeah. Like, assuming that, you know, that Kristoff knows that these trolls can help with Elsa's ice powers, yeah. I feel like is a, is a pretty, I mean, would fit in the movie pretty well. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a movie that's built on a lot of coincidences and misunderstandings like all good rom-coms or family movies. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I mean, we could we could probably end up making this entire podcast about Frozen. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm raining it in, I'm raining it in. Oh, no. I mean, the, this is good for me because I really haven't had a lot of people I could go off about it. This is catharsis right here. 20 minutes of just, like, frozen catharsis. It's like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that I I do have uh, again. I like I said, your your print of um, of Flynn and Rapunzel, like it's now hanging on my wall. Oh, yay! Yay! 
Uh, because it just, I, I mean, as much as we ragged on Frozen, we can go on about Tangled and how awesome it was. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> oh, we can and we will. <laughs> um, because... Uh, I mean, because Tangled was really, I mean, for me, one of those Disney movies, especially in the in the newer era of them doing much more um, 3D animation and everything, it was a surprise, like, for me. I did uh-huh. not think that the movie was going to do very well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was coming off of Princess and the Frog, which, you know, is still an entertaining movie, but apparently didn't do as well as people thought it was going to. And then there was the whole, we changed marketing strategies, like, midway through, because, hey, John Carter of Mars also wasn't selling. <laughs> so we're going to really gear this towards boys, because they don't like princesses. Whatever. <sighs> and then you go in, and you're just like, this is a really good movie. <laughs> so It was definitely a surprise. That's, that's true. And I think it was for most people. Yeah, uh, it, it just has this, um, first of all, it's a very streamlined movie. Like, there aren't a lot of, like, outside stories going on at all. It's very much, we know exactly why Rapunzel was kidnapped, we know why she's in the tower, why her hair is long, and then when Flynn meets up with her, that's when the, like, the main story really starts happening. Um, and then it's all just get to the, the, where the lanterns are, and the adventure started, you know? <laughs> It takes only three days for them to fall in love, like most Disney princesses and and, right. and leading men. But you know what? I think we've kind of we've gotten on board with that concept at this point. <laughs> well, so that's the thing is that um, it, like admittedly, Tangled is not a very ambitious film. No, it's just it, I think its goal was to recapture some of like the princess magic that Disney had like during the Renaissance years and mm-hmm. during you know like basically capture like Little Mermaid magic. Yeah. Um. And t- like Frozen was a lot more ambitious with the storytelling and its and its general message, um, and I can appreciate that. But it's just Tangled did it so well. They they knew exactly what they wanted to do. They kept it simple, um, and yeah. it was it was very effective. And you know, to be totally honest, I when I go see when I go see a Disney animated movie, I don't necessarily need to see anything groundbreaking. I mean, like if if they do it well, then then that's that's great. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, They do a really good job of making that make sense. Like, there are a lot of, like, you know, even even in non-family, you know, like, rom-com situations where you're just like, I don't buy that these two even remotely like each other, first of all. Um, but but with Flynn and Rapunzel, it's like, you kind of buy it. Like, you, you really, like, you, you feel like that relationship which started off with animosity, obviously, because he broke into her tower and everything. <laughs> And her general fear of people. <laughs> that, yeah, that whole thing, you know, because her, her, her mother, quote unquote, essentially is her kidnapper. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, I, I, I feel like they just, because the story was so streamlined, they could really focus on the characters a lot more. As, oh, yeah. as well as just, like, the overall sense of humor that it had. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, when you have a horse like Maximus, <laughs> like... <laughs> 
<laughs> who has the most antagonistic relationship with Flynn, first of all. It's just, it's so good. And then just elements like taking the frying pan and making that into a thing, like a story element. Because <laughs> uh, Flynn still, I think, has my favorite line in the movie where it's just like, he's sword fighting with Maximus, who has the sword in his teeth, and then he's got the <laughs> frying pan. He's like, this is the strangest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's It is probably one of my favorite lines in a Disney movie in a long time. <laughs> things that she can do with her hair alone she's like a formidable opponent to anybody like uh and 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 to your point like they they do a fair i mean they rescue each other but if anything rapunzel rescues flynn a lot more it's what kind of keeps me coming back to it too it's just like it's a fun movie with a lot of fun side characters you know which is always i mean it's always difficult to make the side characters interesting enough that you enjoy them and not like totally annoying Uh, exactly like which like the entire what fuzzy duckling uh section (laughs) it's just so good Oh, it's such a good oh, sequence. Um, and, that, and that goes, I mean, just with, with most Disney movies, like, it has really good music, even though it's done by, what, Randy Newman. <laughs> so, but it has... Randy Newman? Yeah, Randy Newman wrote all the, I think, pretty much all the songs for that for that movie. <laughs> the light yeah you know like it's 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 so typical like 90s disney like princess and prince ballad mm-hmm. but when it comes on like at work or anywhere i will just spontaneously start falling and it is it's such a it is a really beautiful song and uh, i think 
I think when that when the movie came out, they were saying it was the first uh, romantic duet since Aladdin. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it does remind me a whole lot of um, oh wow, whole new one? world. That one. <laughs> Oh my god, with the lanterns all around them and everything. Every time. Every single time. <laughs> you're kinda, you just kind of look at your guy and you're just like, why can't you do that? <laughs> Please, this, this is what I need. This right here. It's like, all yeah. I want is to be in the middle of a lake, singing a song with a bunch of lanterns coming out on my birthdays. That's so hard. <laughs> so much to ask. <laughs> then he's going to turn around and be like, okay, well then let's lock you up in a tower for 18 years, and then, I'll, and then we'll get to work. And then you're like, touche. Touche. <laughs> well, uh, and I don't know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like this movie was also kind of a response to, like, the Shrek franchise, where wow. there was a lot of, because it has humor, but it doesn't make references. It's not a, let's reference everything we can and feel clever about ourselves. It was just, let's do a fantasy movie with a modern sensibility, but it's all based on the humor and the wit. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney ever got very pop culture reference heavy. Yeah. Um, I think the only time it really got that way was with um, Aladdin. And it worked because Genie was just kind of a magical, wacky character. Yeah. Um, so, like, that is something that I still to this day really, and I've, I've always appreciated about um, about Disney. I guess they did it with Mulan, too. I think a couple times, um, the dragon, Mushu. Yeah, with uh, when you have Eddie Murphy. I mean, that that's the thing. When you employ comedians to do certain right. roles, you're going to let them run with it to an extent. Exactly. And so, like, in those, in those situations, it worked. But otherwise, mm-hmm. Disney tends to be very self-contained. Yeah. Because um, they, they are very, very conscious of being timeless, as timeless as they can. Exactly. Um, and, and that's why, I mean, the staying power, it's like, I, it's hard to watch Shrek now, like, for me. Uh, like, cause I'll look at them, like, all the movies and just be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of annoyed more than anything now. <laughs> yeah, cause you know, like, so, uh, you show kids, like, you show, you show a six-year-old Shrek now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm only going off of the first one, cause, God help me, I can't remember any of the other ones, cause I, I didn't even like the first one all that much. It's probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, there, I do remember that whole sequence where Fiona, the princess, has, mm-hmm. like, a fight sequence right at the very beginning. Yeah. And there's that whole Matrix thing where she, like, jumps up in the air and it goes all slow motion and they, like, replicate the, the camera movements yeah. of that whole Matrix scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was, honestly, I think even at that point, even when it was new, that joke was kind of overplayed. But now, like, kids, kids watch that movie and they're not going to get it. Um, yeah, that, that's the... The they prob- might appreciate how wacky it is, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, why put that reference in there? It's just, I mean, you could have, you could have taken, you could have made your own joke and made it very hilarious. You made it, you would, you would have made it equally hilarious if you had come up with your own material. It's one of those issues with, uh, especially when you're trying to do parody, um, because if like you, uh, have you ever seen, uh, I mean, have you seen Mel Brooks, like, you know, Blazing Saddles and yeah. Young Frankenstein and then like movies like Airplane, stuff like that, where they are satirizing the genre, not a particular like reference. So it's like, it's all of these elements. And that's why those movies last longer than say like scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for many reasons, but yes. that as well. <laughs> 
for many reasons. I mean, other than the fact that scary movie is just poorly written. Um, but any of those movies that are like trying to cash in on, on, you know, instant franchises, uh, you know, with the Shrek movies, it's like, yeah, it was funny, I guess at the time, but if you're looking to make a movie that you can pop in and like two or three generations of your family can watch, there's only one generation that's even going to really understand what's happening. (laughs) Whereas I can pop in, uh, even, even actually, even with Aladdin, I could still pop that in. And yeah, despite the references, there's uh, an energy to Robin Williams performance. I think that lends itself well to like repeated watching. Oh, totally. And that's the thing. That's why it works. Um, in that, like in, 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 uh, Mulan and Aladdin, mm-hmm. like the reason why it works is because the comedians are just funny on their own. Yeah. Um, they're, like what they're saying really is kind of secondary. And also like the animation themselves is just the, uh, the characters are animated. so funny. They're so great. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, like the references are very secondary. Exactly. Um, Cause I remember I think watching Aladdin as a kid, actually side note, I watched Aladdin in Japanese for the first time. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually didn't watch Aladdin in English until I was in high school. Wow, um, that no, that's interesting. <laughs> so the references, they still put the references in there, mm-hmm. and obviously, like when Genie transforms into whatever, um, whatever pop culture. I think I think at one point he transforms into Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, how does Rodney Dangerfield play in Japanese? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, like you see it happen, and you see like the, um, I guess like the Japanese dub kind of makes a funny voice, mm-hmm. but the reference just does not come through. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think for me as a kid, speaking Japanese, it didn't, it didn't matter because it was it was just funny. Yeah. Um, the reference is very secondary. Um, and I think that is a very conscious decision on their part. Well, and it's also, um, it's also an injury because he, he turns into Ronnie Dangerfield. He already looks weird. I mean. Right, right. You know, so it's just another weird face that he's turning into. Exactly. I mean, and it's one of those things like with, um, you know, uh, our generation, we grew up with a lot of cartoons that also made multi-layered references to things that we didn't necessarily know when we were kids, but as we got older, we're like, oh, I understand that now. Exactly. It's like if you grow up with things like uh, Animaniacs or Tiny Toons or stuff like that, you know, even even just old Looney Tunes cartoons. Like, if you watched those at all when you were young, or even like early Simpsons, like that kind of stuff, you're just kind of like, I know that there's stuff going on here that I don't understand, but I'm still laughing because there's slapstick and there's all this other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So like we, you know, when we're young, we we're we're very much more attracted to the visual comedy, like much more slapstick humor. And as we get older, you know, hopefully our sophisticated palate will go like, hey, I enjoyed this witty repartee and wordplay. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, like, ideally, you know, whenever you include satire or parody in your work, you want it to be, you want it to, you want it to age well. You want, mm-hmm. to, you know, kids to love it even when they don't get it. And then for it to, you know, like, increase in humor as, as, as the audience gets older and starts understanding it more, mm-hmm. um, rather than something Exactly. But people will immediately disappear and no one will get it 10 years from now. Well, especially if you're referencing it that year when you make that reference and then the time it takes to animate that reference. Right. <laughs> like, it's already old. It's already stale. Yeah, it's like most... You're what, a pretty serious risk. Most animated movies take about two years to complete at this point. Oh, yeah. So it's like anything you do at the time is not going to be timely. <laughs> it's like... You're, you're, you're really better off just trying to actually you know, write something good than write something, right. I guess, relevant. <laughs> Make your own mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. But I guess, I mean, like, to, to go back, though, to what you're saying about Tangled, um, like, that is a thing that I really, I mean, that's, that is the reason why Tangled is one of my favorite films, just ever, mm-hmm. is, um, I think we've gotten to the point, especially in animated movies, um, I think, I, I love DreamWorks films, um, there are some really great ones out there, mm-hmm. but in this time when sincerity seems to be kind of uncool, yeah. you know, characters are sassy, characters are sarcastic, and I'm, I'm, all, I'm all down for that, I, I love it, mm-hmm. but, um, Tangled is unapologetically sincere, Yeah. Um, and it's just such a breath of fresh air, um, and I love it, and I think, you know, like, people might not realize that that's why they love it, but I think when you start to talk to people about Tangled, that is kind of the thing that they keep going back to. It's like, it's it's such a beautiful film. It's such a cute film. The, mm-hmm. the characters are so good. They're so nice. Um, and I think, you know, like, it, it has staying power for those reasons. Oh, you know, definitely. And, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, you bring up a really good point about that, where, yeah, we've gotten so used to that DreamWorks sensibility, which, I mean, to be fair, the company started basically trying to lambast Disney. I mean, that's... Right. They built their foundations on, uh, you know, a movie that essentially was like, hey, Disney, I got fired from you, so guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> guess what we're doing? Woohoo! Um, so, yeah, it, it's so easy for them to, like, do these movies that have this very sarcastic slant, which I'm all for sarcasm. I, I live and breathe, breathe off of it, so. <laughs> but when you have, yeah, a movie like Tangled that comes around, and it just makes you happy when you walk out of the movie theater... <laughs> Like, that doesn't happen very often, where you're just, I mean, it's like you, you go in and you come out with, like, this really pleasant mood, like a smile permanently slapped on your face. Yeah, no, totally. Like, that's really hard to accomplish, especially in this day and age. Oh, totally. Uh, and that's, you know, like, we're, we're just at that point now where I think, well, maybe not everybody, maybe it's just me, <laughs> but I'm, I'm feeling personally a little burnt out on, um, like, just kind of sarcastic, kind of fighting humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it's done really well, then I think it's fantastic. Um, and I tend to be kind of a dry, sarcastic person myself. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm definitely not blasting it. But, you know, you, you see a lot of people who really enjoy, like, Parks and Rec became really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's honestly because, like, if you watch that show, like, every character is actually just a really good person. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, and these, these characters, like, they have their flaws, but as a group, they all actually genuinely like each other. Well, um, and, and so it's very pleasant to watch. And talking and about I, your point about sincerity, I mean, Leslie Nope is the most sincere character. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, uh, just all of these characters, like, in their own way. Like, Leslie Nope is sincere, like, just, she's just super sunny, super sincere. But everyone else also, like, you know, they're, they're very sincere in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, I think shows like that are coming back. You know, people are, are feeling kind of refreshed by that. Um, and I, I think Tangled might have come a little too soon. Yeah. Like, I think I think Tangled came, like, maybe three, four years too soon. If it came out now, I think people would really, I think it would have uh, hit hit the note stronger with everyone, I think. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I agree. Uh, when it came out, I mean, definitely it was a, a breath of fresh air in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh you know, especially, like, I mean, it was more of a breath of fresh air because you were expecting it to be a lot worse. true? <laughs> you're just like, man, I don't know what's going to happen here. And then when you come out, you're like, man, that was really good. I went to that theater kind of bracing myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, me too. I mean, when, when I came out of there, it was just like, I just saw a really good Disney movie. <laughs> and oh, I was my- not prepared for this. <laughs> but... Oh, 
but yeah, I mean, we're we're getting to that point again with you know the way pop culture is kind of gearing towards, especially with geek culture being kind of so heightened now with superhero movies and and TV shows and everything. And we're also, I think, we're just browbeat by like you know kind of grim dark versions of these same characters. Um, like I I don't know if you watch uh, any of the DC television shows at all. Um, uh, like Arrow uh, or uh, Constantine or The Flash or anything like that. I hear they're fantastic, but I haven't gone on it yet. No, no, it's perfectly fine. I mean, the the juxtaposition here is you have Arrow, which is the much you know grittier, quote unquote, darker version, like trying to be the Batman, whereas The Flash, I think, just ended up being the stronger show this year because right. it is out there and it's it's lively and it's vibrant and there's humor like all the time you know there's a there's a much more sincere uh, quality to it that i think comic book fans like myself really like attached ourselves to and we're like yes it doesn't have to be dark all the time oh my god no it, it, exactly and that's like i think you know in, in comics in, or in comic movies and comic media mm-hmm. we're seeing that a lot um Film. Oh, yeah. That was kind of the turning point. People realized, like, oh, like, super, like, because the Dark Knight series was such a turning point for superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it worked for Batman because it's, it's fucking Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone kind of decided, like, oh, okay, in order for, for just the public at large to enjoy superhero movies, it has to be super grim dark. Um, and, you know, I was definitely feeling, I was definitely not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Avengers came along, and here are these, I mean, like, you know, they, they have flaws, and they, they go into that, but, you know, they're they're just un, they're just unapologetically just good people. They want to help, you know, and the movie itself just has a, has a overall a pretty positive tone, considering that it's about, like, you know, the attempted destruction of Earth. As it always um, is, I mean. <laughs> right! Um, and, you know, people really latched on to that, and I think, um, you see a lot of articles about this, but you see, I think, DC kind of struggling with that um it's it's definitely like as someone who is has been a life lifelong dc person um i still i love the marvel movies i think mostly because i don't have as much background knowledge of the characters so it's just kind of pure enjoyment for me um whereas like yeah with like the batman movies i appreciate what christopher nolan did in terms of what he crafted for batman because that was his intention he wasn't going into going, you know what I'm going to do? Create a DC Universe um, aesthetic that will only be applied to DC Comics characters regardless of whether or not it fits them. Um, So when Man of Steel comes around, you're like, yeah, Superman shouldn't be dark like that. (laughs) He's not Batman. (laughs) Oh, that's so, like, I actually, so, I've I've gotten to that point in my life where, I, I do get very tired very quick of movies that get excessively dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that having said, like I, you know, I watched the Dark Knight series and really appreciated it. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily my jam, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's Batman. I think it worked really well. Yeah. Um, but then you know, like I watched Man of Steel. Actually, I only just watched Man of Steel recently. I didn't go see it in theaters because the trailers just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, but I saw it recently. I was like, you know, like this isn't a movie about Superman. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about some other crazy power. <laughs> you know, like, Superman has such a rich history, and that's the problem with comic. It's it's the it's the good thing and the bad thing about comic book heroes is that they have 
so many years of history mm-hmm. that it's kind of hard to like pick and choose um, what you know what to bring into a, a ninety-minute movie or two-hour movie. Yeah, and, and Superman has the longest. I mean, he has the longest history, seventy-five <laughs> plus years. Exactly. So you know, like I understand how it's tricky, but I feel almost like they completely disregarded the essence of Superman. Oh, and just trans and just, and just kind of. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I've uh, as much as I've had those conversations about Frozen, I have had just as many about Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> all the right notes here today. Oh my god! I mean, it's it's just one of those movies that the more I think about it, because I do from time to time, because it it's essentially the foundation of the DC cinematic universe. Oh, yeah. And it's unfortunate because it's a really shaky foundation now. Um, because the more I think about it, it's like. There are good elements to it, but it squanders all of them for this, like, bigger story that they're trying to tell, but is so poorly executed, it just doesn't work um, on any, like, narrative level. And that's what, what I struggle with some of these movies, because from a writing perspective, I mean, I'm not, like, a published author or anything like that, but I have a pretty good ear for dialogue and story structure and everything. <laughs> um but just watching that movie, you're like, man, you could have really done a great movie, and there's just, you just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I am very interested to see how, I guess, the, the, the DCCU mm-hmm. plays out um, with, with Batman versus Superman. But... Uh, yeah, I, I just still, I worry for Wonder Woman. Like, she's... Oh, she's the one, because it's like, because um, the problem here is that she, I mean, her and a great many other superheroines have not had a good go with movies. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> loved Agent Carter so much. Probably not going to get, but I 
that like Agent Carter just hit a really strong note with a really dedicated uh, to or like you know with a really dedicated audience. Yeah, they, um, they were really. It, it it seemed like they were really concerned with getting not only like Peggy right, but right. in some ways the world that she was part of. I mean, there's there's a lot to say for Marvel's uh, whitewashing of history at times. <laughs> Uh, but Peggy, as if you're looking at it from the standpoint of a woman post-war, uh, especially an expat from, from uh, Britain, I mean, this is a world that basically saw women in, the, in every work environment because they had to, and then suddenly told that they had to go back to the home. Uh, the minute the war was over and all the men came back and everything. And, uh, this was a a time of like huge independence for women, uh, you know, outside of the home. And then suddenly they're just kind of like, oh yeah, you're the secretary. (laughs) It's like, so I think that the show did a really great job of in what, 13 episodes. Yeah, it was 13 episodes, uh, building to this, like everything culminates in Peggy just, you know, yelling at all the other guys and being like, Hey, I was nothing to you unless I was bringing you lunch and you expected me to come to you with this thing. It's like, that's what it's all building up to, is her just getting some modicum of respect. Exactly. And, you know, like, and this is, and this is a, this is a theme that, I mean, up until now, media executives just did not see as widely appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't appeal to the strong 25 to, or 18 to, like, 40 male, white male demographic. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was the reason why the show did so well, was because, again, it felt sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, they were appealing to women, and they did it well. Um, because it's, it's a show about a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that, like, dudes can't appreciate the show, because I know a lot that do, but it's, it's just the truth and honesty that they approach this from. Exactly. Um, really dissecting this character that made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid when superhero movies come into question, mm-hmm. it's because they try to address, they try to tackle, like, writing and producing a superhero movie, a superheroine movie, um, like they would a movie about Superman or Batman. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they try to they try to fit like a Black Widow or a Super or a Superwoman into just a, a, a hole that they're not, you know, like the, the Superman or Batman mold, I guess. Yeah, and and they try too hard to make everything happen for the character. Exactly. There's like, well, she's. One woman, and unless we have more women, we don't really know what kind of personality to give her. Right. So we'll give her all the personalities and then blame it on the fact that it's a female-led movie. <laughs> right, and you know, but like, oh, but this is a superhero action movie, so we have to have a lot of physical violence and physical fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's, let's kind of ignore the, like, the unique attributes that these characters have. Yeah, I mean... Explosions and building smashing. <laughs> I mean, you can still have that. I mean, Wonder Woman definitely kicks ass, but there, yeah, it, it's this whole thing where, like, leading up to the the actual solo movie, they've been like, well, she's hard to get right, and it's tricky, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's not. Like, you can streamline this real easy. Like, right. everyone's done it. Everyone has their own ideas and everything. Like, there's been plenty of, of stories that have done it for you. So just pick one, stick with it, and make a movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, the morbid curiosity in me is just going like, oh, man, this is going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. This this will be the first time in a while that I went to go see a DC movie in theaters, I think. Wonder Um, Woman or Batman versus Superman? (laughs) Oh, I was was talking about Wonder Woman, (laughs) and I had completely forgotten for a second about Batman versus Superman. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people have been getting that way. Yeah, which, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It might, it might be a case where I wait about a week just to see how people feel, and then yeah. cautiously dip in. You're just waiting behind the rocks to like be like <laughs> peeking over like, hey guys, how did it go? And they're just throwing fruit. You're like, oh God! <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Unless okay. it gets, you know, stellar reviews right off the bat, which it very well might. Yeah, they usually will like, release it what, early because they do, like, um, like the UK sometimes gets it before we do, or wow. Australia. <laughs> which is why. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they want that foreign market to really, like, give them, like, a boost before America gets it. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see, yeah, we'll see in, what, two years. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you, I mean... We didn't really talk about, like, your background really all that much because we just got into a lot of Disney. <laughs> so many topics. Well, like, which, which I totally, like, it, it's, I mean, it's great that, you know, you can, like, go in on a conversation and just be like, hey, we haven't even really talked about you. <laughs> so, but you, you're an amazing artist. I mean, I was looking at your webpage um, earlier today before, uh, before this podcast, and I mean, obviously, I bought one of your prints as well, but you have this really great, um, I mean, it is a, it's very Disney-esque sky, uh, style um, of illustration and everything, and you've worked on uh, video games and animation and everything. Um, uh, how, how did you get into the industry, actually? Well, thank you. First off, it's very nice of you. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, my, I mean, uh, my trajectory into the industry was pretty straightforward, um, I went to school, I went to college, um, and studied animation. I got my BFA in animation. Oh, sweet. Um, and for a year, I worked um, at a full-service TV studio mm-hmm. where we did we did ads, we did commercials. Um, and that wasn't really where I was hoping to go into, but it was where it was a company that employed me. So It was where the work was. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I'm grabbing that opportunity. Yeah. Is it, um, is it just, like, trying to get into it, or is it is it, like, a much more, like, uh, recommendation-based, like, merit-based kind of thing? I mean, if you are outrageously talented, then you will generally find, I mean, they will generally find you. Um, oh, okay. Online, or if you, you know, if you went to school and your professors highly recommend you and your professors are well-connected. Mm. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's a very narrow field. There aren't a whole lot of job openings, um, and you do have to, it's very competitive, so it really depends on how good you are and, and who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was having a hard time making that work, um, and I was, honestly, I was a little too afraid to move all the way to L.A., mm. um, the majority of jobs were at the time. Um, so just kind of on a whim, um, video games uh, generally is a much larger industry, a lot more studios, um, a lot more work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I started freelancing uh, in that arena. I started, um, I knew through through the internet, I knew a bunch of people who were working on this game called Skullgirls, which is a fantastic game, beautifully, it's a it's a 2D animated fighter. Okay. Um, it's fantastic art. Um, and so uh, I got hit up by them for, for some work, and so that was 
yeah, that was how I got started into video games. And then I just started, um, you know, I realized that's a good field to go into. So I started researching companies and found um, Disney Interactive had a studio here in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to, to get hired by them as an animator. Um, so yeah, that, it was it was pretty straightforward. Went to school, studied animation, got some germs. <laughs> No, that I mean that's really cool. I mean, I mean, were you a? Are you a gamer? Do you think of yourself as a gamer, or is it more just like this is just the medium in which I work? My passion is definitely in animation. So I mean, like animated movies, um, especially in TV, is just you know, <laughs> you you heard it's just what I will talk on and on about. Yes, um, I, do, I do play a lot. I mean, well, not so much anymore, just for time reasons. Uh, but I did grow up playing a lot of games. Um, I would never call myself a gamer, per se, because mm-hmm. I don't think I've played enough, um, and, it, like, I've, I've never actually played enough of a variety of games to mm-hmm. I feel comfortable with that title. It's like, does pinball um, count? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, it's like, I, I love Tetris, and I love Dr. Mario, like, I'll play those games just to hell and back. Um, you know, and I, like, my, my game really was Pokemon. I, there we you know, go. I, I will play that game for hours. Diamond. Diamond. <laughs> I, feel bad. I was legitimately trying to collect them all, and I got really far. So, so like you should just do a thing like, what happens when you actually try to get them all? You, oh, exactly. you just this is, can't. This is, this is a first gen stuff. I was trying to collect them all like three years ago when we had what, like four hundred Pokemon. Oh Jesus! So, it was pretty outrageous. I was pretty addicted. Um, and you know, I, I I grew up in Japan, so I got really into JRPGs. Um, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy. Oh, I love yeah. my uh, my roommate in college would play uh, Kingdom Hearts, and we we had a really like pretty good relationship where I could just sit there and watch him play video games because I get too emotionally involved in video games where I'm just like throwing controllers and. <laughs> oh no, that's the problem. It's like so I don't call myself a gamer because truth be told, I am I'm a shit gamer. <laughs> I can't play FPSs because I'll just run myself into a corner and just never get out. Yeah, I'm just I'm not very coordinated enough to play to play games very well. Oh, yeah, I'll, um... I watch it like I watch a movie, so I'll sit down with somebody and just, like, watch them play through a game, and oh, yeah. Definitely, no, I mean, I watched him play through, I think, all all of the Kingdom Hearts at the time that were out. I think there were only, like, the two. I forget. Uh, like, I watched him play through, like, Half-Life, and, um, oh, God, what is it? It was, uh, oh, Fallout... Like, okay. all that kind of stuff, and uh, it was just, I mean, it was fun for me to watch, because, like, hey, I have nothing invested in the actual gameplay here. I'm just watching a, you know, very pretty movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and you know, like, storytelling in games have gotten so sophisticated, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the matter, t- like, a lot of games tend to deal, their stories are, are a little more mature, a little, you know, more complex than you find um, in a regular, especially animated movie now. Oh, Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it tends to it tends to appeal to my sensibilities, and I, I love watching them. It's like just super invested in those characters. Just don't uh, just don't want the controller in my own hands. Yeah, yeah, no, like you know, give, give me the controller, and I can kill the character in five minutes, and I'll be super distraught. So <laughs> somebody else take care of it. Take good care of my character. <laughs> no, I I totally get it. I understand that completely. Um, so how long uh, were you living in Japan before you came over to the states? So I was born and raised there. Um, I left there for college, so I was there from zero to 18. Oh, wow, okay. So, uh, I mean, 
I mean, uh, what was the culture clash like when you came over to the States then? So, honestly, I have a horrible memory, and I feel like these are things that leave an impression on you, but mm-hmm. it's been eight years since I moved here, so I don't really remember. Oh, okay. Um, I, but uh, a bit of context is that my, my dad's American. He's from Washington. Oh, okay. Um, so I grew up in kind of an expat community in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I grew up speaking English, so language definitely wasn't a barrier when I moved here. Okay. Um, and I, I knew enough Americans, so I kind of, and, and you know, like, I would every couple of years come over and visit grandparents in Washington or whatever. Okay. Um, so I was familiar with the country. Um, but there are, there are little things, I guess. Um, I had a really hard time just, um, I didn't have a hard time making friends and all the social stuff that you hear often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a hard time with, in Japan, it's very safe. My biggest, I think my biggest thing is that like Japan is a very safe country. Um, and you just, violent crime isn't a thing that I was worried about there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came over here, it was something that I was hyper aware of. Um, and it's a little less so now, but because I've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do every once in a while miss, like, in high school, I would be out and about with friends at midnight or two and, you know, just walk home through Tokyo just you, alone at night. You um, could just walk around and not worry about that at all and... just even that kind of culture i mean the the women have to be like on the we we have to be kind of hyper aware of everything like even even now i mean it's and we're seeing that in all aspects of even like the geek community at this point oh, yeah. or it's just like it's this um this hyper uh, awareness and hyper criticalness of everything because it's just like we have we're 50 percent if not more of the readership or the gamers or or, or whatnot but we also have to be like on the lookout for a strong female lead in any situation and then be like well is it feminist or not we don't know anymore we're like <laughs> we're trying to find a definition <laughs> but you know like it is it's, it's interesting because um I, i'm a little for I, I think i'm starting to get used to things around here after eight years um mm-hmm. so it's not on the forefront of my mind as much but um i spent a lot of time just like Concentrating on what keeps me safe mm-hmm. more than you know, just what I enjoy, just in general. Yeah, um, just going out or anything. Um, and that I think that attitude kind of like it, it, it bleeds into I think most anything for women in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's exactly like you said. It's it's just the thing that women are always aware of. And I think you know it's a shame because it it I think it does take away from one's enjoyment of just 
things in general. Yeah, we just want to, I mean, it's, it's you know, we just want to go into a movie, watch something, and just enjoy it. Like, there are times where I really don't want to pick apart a movie. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want to go in there and be, you know, if, if especially if I have, like, a male friend who's just like, wasn't that, like, the great, that was good for, you know, women, right? I'm just like, ah, I, I don't want to have this conversation. Like, I... You just get, you can just get so tired, like, all the time, either looking over your shoulder or watching something going, like, I don't have the energy to be angry right now. Exactly. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a problem, I'm assuming, that, you know, most, most dudes don't have, most, most white dudes don't have in this country. <laughs> I'll have to go ask a few of my friends, be like, hey, are you, you guys have problems at all? <laughs> just we have to be more aware at times because we have so we our options are much fewer um despite the fact that there's just so damn many of us uh i mean it's like the orientation thing like we are told straight off the bat that it is our responsibility to protect ourselves Mm -hmm. you know so like when we go into like when we read comics when we watch movies we also kind of feel like it's our like it's our responsibility to make sure that you know that we're represented well yeah Um, Like if we're not if we're not going to get it from the people who are already in the industry, then we have to become the people in the industry. Basically, yeah, you know, like we have to speak up, we have to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know is is very good. Like I'm 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 all for being vocal for things that I believe in, but it does you know I feel like that I feel like that responsibility should be shared. Oh, I don't yeah. think it should fall entirely on us. It's like but, we we get the ball rolling. We're like we need some people to help us out every once in a while. I mean, I've, I've seen it on Twitter a few times with, um, with certain things and I think it was probably like, a, it was probably a Game of Thrones episode or something like that <laughs> where, I mean, there are just some people that I follow who are, I mean, they're staunchly more vocal about these things than I ever will be because I just don't have the time or the effort sometimes, <laughs> but even them, I see like, they just, they get tired and they're just like, I don't want to have this fight again. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like... Like, yeah, I can't have this conversation with myself again, right. justify these things to myself, or just completely, you know, uh, alienate myself from them again, because it's just like, I think it comes down to, especially as, as we get older, it's like, where, what fights do I really want to put time into? Right. You know, it's and like, you know, like, some people have a lot more fight in them, and, you know, like, that's, that's great, all power to them. Mm-hmm. I tend to be, I mean, I'm inherently a pacifist, um, <laughs> but I also tire easily, so... <laughs> jobs and things to do and (laughs) And, you know like it it does become a matter of you know how do I want to spend my time and you know like making making talking about positive things making positive drawings tends to be a little more interesting to me now than than picking 
picking apart the things that I just don't agree with. No, exactly. But, I mean, with and like like I said, with your artwork, I mean, it's just there. There is a there is a very positive energy to them. I mean, just coming off of it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely try. Um, I mean, I will. I will draw. You know, like I, I love drawing Lady Sif, like getting mm. her badass on. Yeah. You're going to so. draw Lady Sif drinking tea with her sword at the ready. Be like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, like, I, I love, you know, like, I love my badass comic women. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite thing is just, you know, like, reading, like, reading little moments where they, they kind of put aside being their badass selves for a minute and just kind of, you know. They're just like, people. Yeah, they're just being themselves, just having some downtime. Tends to be what I enjoy watching and reading the most anyways. And I think, well, I think that a lot of people are attracted to that, too, because it's just like, yeah, we know they're already really good at fighting and all this other stuff, but what are they like when they're, you know, trying to fix the sink, you know? Right, you know, like those character moments. Mm-hmm. Um, like the times when you really see who they are as people and not just warriors. Yeah. And I love seeing them as warriors, but I love seeing them in their downtime, too. Yeah, I really, I would really actually like a comic where it's just all about, like, their day off. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but there is one where it was like a one-off um, story, short story, where I think like something happens somewhere and Thor, Sif, and the Warriors 3 have to go fight it. But up until like when they're, when they're trying to figure out what the problem is, basically like it happens at night mm-hmm. and I think a little girl in Asgard realizes, it's a, realizes that there's a problem. So she calls all of, all of the Warriors to help. Um, and she goes one by one and like wakes them all up at night. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very brief because most of the story, most of the issue is just about them fighting. But for about five pages, you see just like the individual like warriors in bed, mm-hmm. just you know how they sleep. And <laughs> I think um, Volstag, he isn't actually sleeping; he's in the kitchen like making a sandwich. Um, <laughs> like Fan- what was his name? Fandral. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's sleeping in a bed with like five ladies. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, that's exactly what, yeah, I, I love fighting, you know, I love fighting in comics and everything and in, in television, movies, whatnot, but yeah, it's like those character moments where you see, like, exactly who they are when they don't have to be, you know, you know, the, the iconic figure, I guess. Right. Uh, because those are the, those are the bits that we're gonna, we're gonna seek out more than like, oh my god, he totally did that badass kick. It's gonna be like, yeah, but when he makes popcorn, um, he gets really frustrated when the oil doesn't, you know, burn fast enough. <laughs> right. So, you know, and that's, that's, um, especially a thing that I've been focusing on recently is, you know, when I draw characters, really try to get to that essence of their, of who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, does that how does that process is that a frustrating process or does it come easily to you at times or it tends to be it tends to come pretty easily for me because um i am a, so like when i'm when i'm working with characters that aren't mine so when i'm doing fan art mm-hmm. i tend to have a pretty strong narrative in my mind anyways of who they are as people mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, you know, when I draw my own characters, yeah, it might be a character that I draw, like, once or twice. But in my mind, I have a pretty extensive, you know, narrative of who they are, what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it is, it's just the, it's just my process. It's just the way I think. Um, so it tends to come pretty naturally, which is great for me. Have you have you worked on any kind of, uh, um, like, independent comics or anything like that? Or uh, illustration jobs that, you know, would require you to, to really think about backstory for characters? So I do. I do a lot of it for my for my job. Um, I work on this game called uh, City uh, City Girl Life. It mm-hmm. used to be called Disney City Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I do a lot of illustrations where we deal with you know we have a certain number of NPCs and then we also have the character that you the player um, mm-hmm. uses as an avatar. Um, and we've gotten to the point now where the game has been running for a couple of years. Um, so you know a couple of years and many little story missions later, we have a pretty good sense of who these characters are. doodling sketching like, like as i said already is gorgeous and uh, beautiful and, uh because I, I i i almost didn't mention that you did a scarlet witch for my sketchbook i did yes yeah and she's she looked awesome in the the classical outfit uh, <laughs> right uh did you happen to see have you seen age of ultron i bet you have oh yes oh yes i was there yeah <laughs> like <laughs> opening day me uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I heard a bunch of those were going on. <laughs> yeah, we, we were unfortunate enough to not have one in our vicinity. But we did have, like, the Avengers 1 and 2 double feature, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> yeah, we were there. Yeah, I, I knew, like, all of those, yeah, they were doing, like, every Marvel movie. I'm like, I do not have that kind of stamina. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, but I feel like if we had one playing nearby, I probably would have tried. I might have passed out. I might have actually died. She died doing what she loved. I'll put it on my gravestone. (laughs) It'll just say Avengers assembled. (laughs) She assembled. She assembled. (laughs) She assembled into that other place in the sky. (laughs) Oh my god, that would be amazing. (laughs) Oh man. There you go. like grandma i don't get it it's not for you to get sweetie <laughs> this is all about mom just you know, grandma reaching her, uh, her her geeky uh nirvana basically trust me all the other grandmas and grandpas will get it they'll be <laughs> when they're all gathered at the funeral they'll be like <laughs> i get it <laughs> <laughs> only 90s kids will get this it's, oh my god <laughs> just a buzzfeed website like url <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that'll really date you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it'll just be the <laughs> list. Just be you can kind of guess my age from just that alone. It's like, based on the... We did some carbon dating on her gravestone, and uh, we've determined that based on this list, she was probably born somewhere between... Like, probably born mid to late 80s. Hmm. <laughs> of course, we'll have to cut the rings, you know, and, and count those first. So. <laughs> cut the rings on the gravestone. There we go. I imagine that's how the future will work. I hope so. I, I one can only hope. It's true. Um, well, uh, Sarah, we're we're at a little bit over an hour, and uh, this has been this has been a really fun conversation. I'm so happy that we did this. <laughs> Just go on for half an hour about Disney movies, and then all the nitty gritty stuff. <laughs> right, right. I hope you got everything you need because you know I, I I feel a little bad for having gone off on Frozen no i i was fully intending to do that anyways <laughs> it played into my plans exactly as i wanted it <laughs> we're both so down for this i know exactly um but uh before we go uh where can people find you online to view your art or to just chat with you okay um, i am on twitter very heavily mm-hmm. you can find me at charapoo c-h-a-r-a-p-o-o don't ask where I got that name from, because I don't really know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my website is sarahtalmage.com. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I'm on Instagram, also at Charifu. So, mostly, if you find my Twitter, you will find me everywhere else as well. Excellent. Um, so, that's where you'll find me. Awesome. Well, and, uh, you know, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're welcome anytime back if we want to talk more Disney. And... Oh, oh, my. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I know, we've opened a door, we can't close it. <laughs> like, this toothpaste is now going back in the tube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no. It's like we started something, we'll never be able to stop it. No, my We built this city on Disney alone, that's just not a tangible foundation. Oh man. <laughs> But uh, thank you once again, Sarah Talmadge, and uh, everyone, please go out, you know, talk to her on Twitter, go out and see all of her stuff, because it is awesome, and I've decreed it, therefore it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, anytime, again, you're welcome back. We will do the talkings and the hangings out and everything. So. Oh, yeah, you know where to find me. Oh, no, I, I do. <laughs> I know where you live, woman. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's like, well, thanks again. Yeah, thank you, and, and good night, everybody.